Welcome to the Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy podcast for another example of astronomy misconceptions, mistakes, half-truths, and conspiracies. My name is Stuart Robbins, and this is episode 20 for the last quarter of January 2012. This episode is going to be shorter than normal. Roughly a third of the posts that I make on my blog, pseudoastro.wordpress.com, have to do with the claims of young earth creationism. By its very name, young earth, you can tell that these people are going to make claims about geology and astronomy. Today's episode isn't about any particular claim, but rather it's an interview with a young man who's been dealing with them, and he's only a high school student. I'll mention up front that the audio is a bit hard to make out at times, but I thought that it was an interesting enough topic to go ahead with. So today I'm bringing you an interview with Peter from New Zealand, who's going to tick Leonard off because he's going to talk about something completely unrelated to astronomy, young earth creationism. Peter is a high school student from New Zealand, which is Australia's Canada, about to enter his final year of school because it's summer down there in the weird part of the world. He started a blog, I on the ICR, back in May of 2011, back when I was finishing up my degree. I had a lot of blog posts that I wanted to write dealing with young earth creationist claims about astronomy, but then I found to my chagrin that there was this other person out there writing what I wanted to write about, and he often got his posts up before I did. I was even more ticked off when I discovered that this person was a high school student, but then, when I started the podcast in August of last year, I thought it would be interesting and informative to showcase a person who, as a high school student, is in his own way taking on a heavyweight in the creationism field, the Institute for Creation Research. With that said, welcome to the podcast, Peter. Thank you for having me. And thanks for coming. So let's go ahead and get right into this. How did you get interested in combating or talking about or writing about young earth creationist claims? And when did you start? Very first when I started in the real world, it was when arguing with the religious education teachers at school. Because we have an odd system where you, on Wednesday mornings, they would have classes on religious education. And it was always fun to argue with them. So arguing with the religion teachers. I bet that went over well. Yeah, I think uh, one of my favorites teachers to argue with my current and my next door neighbor, so, yeah. So you started uh, several years ago. Um, is creationism an issue in New Zealand from what you've seen, or at least as big an issue in your perception as it is in the United States? It's not nearly as big of an issue. I mean, you can't, there's no chance of teaching in the public schools, so that's out of there, but there's still the private schools where occasionally you'll find one that teaches creationism. But nothing else, really. Okay. So why did you decide to go after the Institute for Creation Research, and why did you start your blog? It was more to test if I could do it, so I could keep going, you know, post a day for months on end. I first found out about them, reading them up on Rational Wiki, after I read up on everything else in there. And I looked to see if anyone was directly trying to counter everything they did, and I found there was a gap there. Yeah, well, I mean, they they put out a lot of stuff, so it's kind of hard to counter everything that they do. I don't even do everything they do. They've got a theological theology column, which <laughs> I don't even read these days. I just can't answer it. So, 
In your blog, you write about their daily science updates, which you call the daily pseudoscience updates or DPSUs. And recently, you've also started writing about another portal that they have, their education essentials. And so these are these are two things that you write about, but then they also put out more things. And so wh- why exactly did you choose them again? Because, well, originally when I saw them, I didn't realize that they put anything else in the regulation at all. Because they have, an ar- they have an archive of evidence for creation. And I'd read on another blog where someone had said, it's just too much to do, so I tried to tackle that. Mm-hmm. But then I found their updates and I decided to change tack to that and then I found more stuff that they started doing last year and then more and more it's almost as if they know that I'm doing it and they're trying to shake me off the towel <laughs> well yeah I mean they, they do put out a lot of stuff do you know actually if they actually know about your blog at all have you ever gotten any uh, any emails from them or comments from them about what you do I've never been contacted by them. I know they know I exist for a number of reasons. For one, when they first started putting out their videos, I tried and failed to invent them, and I know that they were notified of that. Because they turned up, somebody came from their secret stats page to my blog, and so I know that there. Mm-hmm. And then in December, I saw that someone with an IP registered to the Institute of Creation Research, they evidently misspelled it, and turned up and read most of the stuff that I'd done in the previous couple of weeks. And then there's somebody else just now that are writing a couple of letters to them that noted that, mentioned in the letter that they were also going to copy it onto my comments of my blog. So they must know I exist, hmm. but I never acknowledged it. Okay. Actually, that's kind of in the, the state that I'm in. I don't know if they know I exist. The only evidence that I have is that one time I wrote an article or a, a critique of something that they had written, and the very next day they had fixed all of the errors that I had pointed out in their article. Uh, they never acknowledged that they had gotten it from me, but I, I'd like to think in my own small way that they, they read my blog. Uh, so I wanted to ask the next question of, What's your approach in your blog? So you said that what you do is you like you're trying to address pretty much everything that they put out uh, in terms of their daily pseudoscience updates and their education essentials. When you do this, what's your approach to addressing the uh, the claims and the issues of what they write? Well, I try to look it up, obviously, and work out what the actual facts are, and then. Well, sometimes I just copy paragraph by paragraph and annotate it like that, which takes a couple of hours usually, so I don't try to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. And then my general aim is to provide a kind of a res- resource for showing exactly why if someone is, say, on an internet forum and posted a link to their site as a proof that evolution is wrong, that someone else can post my corresponding article and say why the article shouldn't really be used as evidence. Do you get a lot of that? Do you get uh, people coming to your site from forums where people have used your arguments to show, no, this is actually wrong? Here and there. I think the first first time anyone ever read my blog for anything was on a, um, a Czech creationist site in Europe. Someone had a link to my blog and a few people turned up from there. 
it seems to be a small portion of my readers at least. When you can't actually go through paragraph by paragraph, because as you said, it takes several hours to actually do that, even though even though these things are usually kind of small, like uh, I think the, de- the daily pseudoscience updates are around five paragraphs on average, but even mm. that takes you know at least an hour or two to really address in detail. What do you do when you can't do that? How do you approach their arguments? Well, quite a lot of the time is just researching it, so they can't really deduct it that much. The shortest ones are often like, when I just completely got the facts wrong, and you can just link them to the link the person to the correct stuff, mm-hmm. and that will do fine. And quite often, when I've already done the same topic, because they just regurgitate the same stuff with a different news item, you can always link them back to there and say why this is different and why it's still wrong. Yeah, like uh, I think you've done that with supernova before and magnetic fields before, you know, just like I have. I mean. There comes a point where the person says the same thing over and over again. It's like, you know, I've already addressed this. Here's a link back to where I addressed it. Yeah, that's going to be quite helpful this year when I get back to school. <laughs> yeah. So, same time. So when does school actually start for you in New Zealand? Um, start of February, yeah. Okay, so in about uh, two weeks. Yep. The next question that I had was... What are some of the patterns that you see in the way that these articles are set up by the creationists? I mean, you know, besides the pattern in the sense of they sometimes rehash the same arguments over and over and over again, what are some of the the ways in which they argue that you see um, is frequent or that they frequently use? Well, they'll do anything to disprove evolution. Now, with fossils, they'll find fossils that are slightly out of order or cases where, well, they've often claimed that when you go back to the Mesozoic, you should only find dinosaurs. So if you find something that's not a dinosaur, they point that out, even though it's just a bird or something. And they, quite often, they also have to defend their own things against things that would disprove them. So if you find a news article on a new species that's split off from another species we've already know about. They'll try and talk about how that's not proving evolution, it's just reproduction within kinds. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the flood, of course, they'll pick up on anything that's about something catastrophic to try and prove that catastrophes are responsible for everything. Right, the whole catastrophism versus uniformitarianism arguments that yes. sometimes come up. They like to say that the flood will explain everything that geologists say indicates an old earth but is actually a young earth because of the flood so they seem to really like the flood and really hate evolution yes and they'll go after any other any other science that attempts to contradict them with worldview so Mm -hmm. astronomy is they don't do very much astronomy do they they just yeah they, they do maybe uh one or two articles a week on astronomy. I th- or not one or two articles a week. Um, they do an yeah. article on astronomy or geology maybe once a week or once every other week, I've found. So it does give me a bit of a break. Yeah, they always... It's much more regurgitating. They're just trying to disprove the Big Bang because this shouldn't exist or something. Right, yeah, and most of the astronomy stuff is... There's this latest discovery that astronomers do, but we can basically copy and paste from this article we wrote two years ago and say the same thing, that this does not prove a young or an old Earth, this does not 
prove the Big Bang. This doesn't prove millions of years, blah, 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 blah. Mm. I like referencing your own articles quite a lot as well. As sometimes even for not stuff, stuff that they don't even say. Mm-hmm. I guess my next question is, what future plans do you have in terms of, are you planning on keeping up your blog, The Eye on the ICR, uh, which I'll link to in the show notes? Uh, do you plan on expanding even more, or do you plan on sort of going, uh, retracting more as you go and finish up your last year of high school? Well, with the science update thing, I'm going to have to do less on those because of time limits. And, however, I do intend to watch everything else that they do. I've heard things here and there that suggest they're going to launch something else sometime soon. I'm not quite sure about that now. Mm-hmm. And if something happens about creationism in New Zealand, even though it probably won't be to do with the ICR, I'll probably try and cover that if I, if I hear about it before it happens. And also there's uh, a case on about a creationist from the ICR, a legal case about them suing a university or something. I'll cover that if I see anything about that. Is that in New Zealand? That's not in New Zealand, though. Oh, okay. I think, are you talking about the case uh, about something with public workers being able to donate money? Well, that's, to the... that's different, although I've, I've talked about that before. This yeah. is about a John Oller guy who's, who, who's suing for discrimination, which is different. Okay. I think my last question is the standard one that I've been trying to ask interviewees. If you could get Brian Thomas, who is the main science person, or supposed science person, the person who writes the daily science updates on the ICR's website, if you could get him in a room, uh, what would you ask him? Or what would you say to him? Well, I can obviously can't convince him to my point of view. I would have enough trouble convincing them I'm not the Antichrist or something, because that seems to be their view in certain situations. All right, if you're not with us, you're the Antichrist. Yeah, but I would probably challenge him on some of the bigger errors that he and his organization have made. I mean, it's not uncommon for him or someone else to just contradict reality, basically, and misquote things and stuff like that. Um... One thing that wasn't him specifically was a video that they put out a couple of months ago where they, to make a point, their point relied on the conflation of two different projects into the same one, a project to make the world's fastest computer and a project to make a computer based on the human brain. And they were trying to show that the, they, was, they conflated them into the same one and then tried to see them because... People are making the fast, world's fastest computer, which is based on the human brain. That that shows that the brain is the best computer in the world, which is completely false. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but Brian Thomas will know, know this because he did an article previously on the same subject, which he actually knows is the difference. Yeah, I've actually, I've actually found that to be the case too, where they, they contradict each other after making some just crazy claim that contradicts reality. Um, In this case, actually, I'll be doing a blog post soon about uh, creation.com or Institute for... Not Institute. uh, CMI. Yeah, yeah, Creation Ministries International. The Creation Ministries International did two blog posts, or two articles about extrasolar planets. And in the first one, they said 
extrasolar planets have never been observed to exist. They've only been inferred through these radial velocity measurements. And I actually wrote into them and I said, actually, this is wrong. If you had done any amount of like simple, basic web searching, you will find headlines proclaiming two or three years ago, extrasolar planets directly imaged by telescope. And they actually updated their article, but then they came out with one last week where they went through and spent several paragraphs saying, these are the ways that you can detect extrasolar planets. And they went through the direct imaging method and all these other things. And it's just like, huh, different authors, same institute, they contradict each other. It's an interesting thing, but uh, as long as I guess it, it contradicts evolution and old years and old earth, then I guess it's fair game for creationist websites. Is there anything else that you had to say or that you were interested in uh, talking about? Not really, no. All right. Well, in that case, um, thanks for coming on to the Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy podcast, Peter, and uh, I hope that all of my listeners will go and read your blog and add it to their RSS feeds. Okay, thank you. Thanks, and uh, talk to you later. Okay. Thanks again to Peter for coming on and spending a little bit of time during the afternoon of one of his summer vacation days with us. I hope that you enjoyed the interview, learned a little bit about creationism, and uh, as normal with these even quarter episodes of the month, the Q&A, Puzzler, and Feedback will return with the next episode of the podcast, in this case for February 1st. That wraps up this topic for the 20th edition of the Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope that you enjoyed it and learned a little at the same time. For more information about this podcast, please visit the website at podcast.sjrdesign.net. If you have any feedback, please use the feedback form on the website, send an email to podcast at sjrdesign.net, or leave a comment on the page for this episode on the website. I read every email, and I appreciate the feedback. And I'm not drunk. If you have suggestions for topics, please feel free to make them. If you like this podcast, please write a review and rate it on iTunes, and tell your friends and family, especially if they're creationists. (laughs) 